We are live now. What's up? We're here with Jumpin' Joe, the rapper. So uh, it's good to have you here, sir. How are you doing, Mr. Jumpin' Joe? Oh, man, you know, hey, I'm not doing too good, man. I've been sick for the past couple of days. Uh, you know, I went and got, got tested for COVID. I'm good. But I just had, a, you know, I've had a head cold. But, you know, yeah. I look good and I've been making music, man. Shit, I knocked out about three verses today, one song, and I'm knocking another verse out later today. I'm working on another verse. So I'm just here sitting my tea and orange juice holding, man. How you doing? Thanks for having me, bro. My life is pretty good these days. Uh, I'm myself. I'm on my little music grind as well. Once I realized you could just do it live over the internet, I was like, game over. I'm just going to stream the music. Um, but welcome to uh, Bridge the Gap. It's a pleasure to have you here because, uh, you know, we like to walk through the lives of super interesting people and uh, learn about their stories and go through it all. Not everybody that we talk to, though, has interesting keywords like micro syncs are the shit up on their Instagram. So that makes me super excited to hear about the different revelations that you've had along the way that has you at that point in life where these are the things you prioritize. A music stellar guy has a lot of passion and whatnot. But as we get into it, why don't you just, you got to tell us where you're from, like where you were born in order for us to do this first question right. <clears throat> uh, yeah, I was born in New Orleans, Louisiana. Yeah, that's amazing. That's, it's amazing for me because it's like I don't get to often talk to people about from all these different places. And for the first question, it's going to tie into being in uh, Louisiana. So it's a bit of a story. And when it lands, you can kind of like take it in whatever direction you want. And then, you know, it just kind of flows from there. So it all starts with my girlfriend and she's washing the dishes. And as she's washing the dishes, she has her phone playing. And it's that Black Eyed Peas song. I got a feeling. Ooh. She's vibing and she's doing her thing. She's dancing. And I started thinking about this song, right? Because now she's sitting here doing dishes with this music. This is that. That like vibe where you do exercises, chores, you know, like kind of boring stuff. And it's that music we're going to to kind of like hype ourselves up and get into that place. But if you really think about this same song 10 years ago for a lot of us, it was that clubbing song when we were all super drunk, jumping around, trying to trying to meet a girl or do whatever we were doing. And to me, it was so interesting how <clears throat> the same very song. 10 years ago had this role in our lives that was so clubbing and so oriented towards partying. And how like just 10 years later, this song has become something that's more akin to exercise music or chores music and all this stuff. And as I asked this question, I realized that to certain people, that song was just chores music the whole time. And even today, all the club music, there are people who wash dishes to Cardi B and all that good stuff. And so 10 years later, though, all these people clubbing to Cardi B, they're going to be washing dishes to Cardi B. And it's just nifty to see how all of these different songs kind of evolve on their own little journey over time in our lives and how the context of the song just keeps changing for us as we evolve as people and then if songs have journeys to that whole level then we as people and musicians have journeys as well and the thing i noticed is when people talk about their musical journeys they usually focus you know in the adolescent era when they form their identity and start attaching themselves to things and clinging and jumping out. But really, our musical journey started long before that because we've always just had music in our lives to some degree or another. And so 
it's kind of like the earliest memories we have is really the start of the musical journey. Like for myself, I can remember being like three, five years old, you know, that range, super young. My dad has all these gray boxes, the amp and the radio and the tape decks and everything, and they would connect together, wired out to all the speakers, and he would run these Led Zeppelin tapes, and at night he would play all that 90s dance techno shit that was going on at the time. And then at Christmas time, we would have this little EDM hip pop no so this edm christmas music remix tape and it only ever came out at christmas time my mom's had like the fucking discos and musicals and basically depending on who was around and what time of year there's just a whole bunch of different vibes and things that kind of led into my life so i was hoping you could take us back to being the youngest jumping joe the rapper that you can remember and walk us through what it sounded like to be you before you had any control over the musics in your life Oh man, I'll tell you, man. Saturday morning in the St. Bernard projects after a night of sleeping on the floor <clears throat> in my room with my two sisters and my mother, I was the one on the floor just, you know, didn't want to get hit by no straight bullets. They was coming through the walls in the 80s. That's just how it was in the projects. But Saturday morning after a night of that, wake up, all I hear is Karen White, my mom playing, I'm not your superwoman, and she's cleaning the house. And, uh, and, you know, not too long after that, I hear Cool in the Gang, Celebration, uh, some LL Cool J back when he had his Kango hat and everything like that. My mom, she listened to everything, man. And uh, fast forward, I moved to California. Now I'm like, what, 10, 9, 10 years old. And I'm hearing straight out of Compton and shit. And I'm hearing DJ Quick, uh, Second to None. Uh, you know, it was a whole lot of music that I heard before Snoop and uh, Dr. Dre and all of them, you know what I mean? I, I used to listen to a lot of DJ Quick. I used to listen to everything my mom's listening to, man. All right, so when you were, like, young, before you moved to California, let's just stay there for a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, environment's definitely tough. That was unexpected, but fair enough. That's part of the reality, and I like the juxtaposition you presented. But, like... When you were like little, how prevalent was music in the community? Like, is this something that was kind of around you? Is like, cause this is that era where hip hop is kind of coming to life and stuff. Had that, or had that spread to your environment or was there like a completely different wave or something else that was happening comparable to the hip hop wave that was going on in the eighties in your part of town? Uh, when I was little, it was a lot of freestyle battles at the park in New Orleans, man. At uh, Lake Punching Train. Uh, just anywhere throughout the project, you see cats, you know what I mean? With they, uh, with they ring, you know, two, three finger bar rings, you know, just rapping with they kangos. I didn't see a lot of break dancing, but I saw a lot of beatboxing and a lot of rapping and stuff, a lot of, a lot of rap battles. And, uh, you see a lot of second line dances, man. Like, you know, I got an uncle that's a, a world famous trumpeter from Louisiana. Uh, his name is Leroy Jones. So jazz was prevalent. Uh, second line dances. It is a second line dance. You gotta just keep in mind. I'm from Montreal, so some of this oh, is like oh. a, an opportunity because the show's called Bridge the Gap, right? So we get to bridge gaps of culture and everything. So I don't get to hear that much about uh, New Orleans. I mean, coincidentally, I had somebody else from Louisiana up, but he was more by Lafayette, so it's just a completely different vibe entirely. And he was like, "Nah, it's not like New Orleans." So I'm like, "Okay." What's the aliens vibe like? And it's so nifty how much is just different when you compare it to like, say, Montreal, which is a lot closer to that New York experience. <clears throat> yeah. 
Well, the second line dance is basically a, a progression after a funeral. Um, so if there's a funeral, me as a kid, you'll wake up. My mom's dressed up. I'm not sure why. But we'll all go outside, and it's a lot of people in the street, a crowd of people in the street. And in front of the casket, you know, people holding the casket up, uh, probably about, you know, all the pallbearers are holding the casket up. And it's a crowd of people in the front and a crowd of people in the back. And uh, the people in the front got various instruments. You know what I mean? They're like a jazz band. You know, they got their trumpets, their drums, saxophone, everything like that. And, uh, you know, they just walk through the area. You know, they walk through the area in, in, in solitude, you know, somber. It's a somber mood at first. But uh, I think once you get close to the cemetery or something like that, man, it just pop off they start the music is upbeat the drums get the bang and everybody's dancing and happy and you know it just turns into something beautiful as a sort of like home going to the person that passed away and there were a lot of those that went on man um so that's why i still listen to jazz to this day i love it it's like a part of me man. yeah that's serious i guess jazz is a big part of new orleans culture huge huge huge, huge part man i got the florida lee right here man like yeah, it's definitely a huge part, man. Yeah, I respect that. Quebec's got the fleur de lis all over, so I respect that a lot. But mm -hmm. um, no, it's cool to hear that. I mean, not so cool. To, um, funerals aren't necessarily great, but the idea of that procession and the way that it would, because you would have seen that, and again, that would have been, as you said, you love jazz to this day, but you're being exposed to it in such a public and raw kind of way. And that's something I didn't even know happened. I know in Montreal, like, that's not what goes down. People drive cars and honk. That's what we get. That's cool. So it's like, it's a different vibe entirely. But that sounds like really, like, honestly beautiful as you like to, to hear it described. Mm -hmm. um, so you're saying there wasn't a lot of dancing. There was a lot of rappers going around. Was there a lot of graph? Was that a thing that was prevalent? Were you interested in the drawing or the writing elements of stuff? Um, no, we probably left right before I can get into all of that. Mm. But um, when I moved to, you know, when I moved to California, yeah. Yeah, I got a lot of homeboys as taggers. Shout out to Amer. Shout out to Turner Block. Shout out to DEA, man. Fair enough. Um, so when you were young, did you have any interest in, like, pursuing music? Or at that time, it was just around you, there was a fan? Because sometimes when people have family members that do it, they tend to get this extra interest in pursuing music at a much younger age yeah well you know the i say i was probably about like 11 or 12 man and uh i wanted to start rapping and uh so me and my sister we figured out how to record on the walkman you know it was a, a cassette tape in the walkman it recorded our voice you know over some beats and stuff like that man it was dope i think i was dissing easy -E on my first rap man it was crazy <laughs> my mom was like why you dissing easy -E? you know what i mean 20 minutes away, they gonna come looking for you. You know, it was crazy, man. For real. So, so yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. How did you guys get the beats? How, uh, how do you, as a young guy like that, get beats to even play in the tape recorder? Which is, again, fucking cool that you were innovative enough to jump out with the tape recorder and this easy E. <laughs> well, what you do, you know, I think I recorded a song <coughs> from the radio. The, the end part of it used to be like a beat. And then we just looped that on the tape and then had another recorder, recorded our voice or something like that, and then played it and had them both together. 
something like that. Yeah, man, I've been innovative since the jump, man. So why did you, why would you want to diss Easy E as a young one? Oh man, because man, all my stepbrothers, and not my stepbrothers, but my stepdad, man, he was a crib. And uh, I think Easy E, I'm not sure where Easy E was from. I just remember 187 Mountain Killer was all red. And when I was around that age, man, I was like 11 years old. I I know that. Uh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Never mind. Easy E wasn't the blood, but Dr. Dre and Snoop, I think, didn't like Easy E, and I was all with that uh, Dr. Dre and Easy E movement. And it was a little bit of that gangster shit involved too, man. My stepfather was a notorious shit. That's serious. You're the definitely the first person to come through and say that. Um, Man, but not to like go in like a dramatic way, but like not many people I know grew up in any kind of an environment where bullets flied through. And sometimes I feel like it's worth highlighting the environment and what it's like to actually be young in this because a lot of people might rap about it but not understand the realistic shit that comes behind certain people's experiences. So like what's it like to be getting into hip hop in that environment not just like the times and the sounds but like that sounds like a intense place to be living well the good thing is my mom's moved me out of that moved me out of there she didn't want me to end up being a statistic so we moved right. to california probably about 20 30 minutes away from the la lakers you know what i mean from like where the real shit is at you know we we moved to a nice area and uh and it was cool you know, so when I'm rapping, it's authentic. You know, I'm telling you about perspective of a couple of degrees that, you know, could have been me and, you know, stuff that I've known, stuff that I've seen, stuff that I've learned from, stuff that I've learned not to do, how I move and shit like that. And I think that's why a lot of people rock with me because they understand that it's authentic, man. And, uh, it's just me getting on the mic. I don't even write. I just hop on the mic and I spit bars and do what I do. Um, and that's probably why I haven't gotten to where I want to be because it's a respect thing. You know, I need to be a student of the rap game and start writing my lyrics and polishing up and all of this. But, hey, I'm a dad, man. You know, I got a whole family here. I just hop on the mic, drop something, put it out. If you're my fan, you rocking with me, that's cool. To the moon. I'm just going to throw it, it out there. <laughs> I know tons of people. Tons of people who wrote songs, all sorts of pain game, that can't say I'm the number three selling something of anything on any list, let alone iTunes, next to Cardi B or whatever you said on that track. That's uh quite the flex, right? So I'm I'm just saying, jump and Joe, you might be doing a few <laughs> things right. Is all I'm trying to say. <laughs> Falls right, I'll be blessing, man. I appreciate you, bro. Nah, it's <laughs> the truth of it. Um, but either way, um, when you move into LA it's a calmer environment that you end up in so things are a little bit more balanced what makes you decide that you're gonna start rapping though i forgot to like kind of pivot into that like how do you decide i'm gonna do this <clears throat> yeah yeah um well yeah yeah you know i moved to orange county which is about 20 30 minutes away from la so it's a nice area that i live in. i mean i had a bike nobody was stealing shit from me or nothing and uh, like, I didn't have to worry about none of the violence, you know, up until about junior high, high school. And it was a lot of racial race wars and stuff like that between uh, Mexicans and blacks or whatever. But I mean, I had a pretty good childhood, man. It's just 
I'm pretty sure everybody go through some shit in their childhood. I don't know. Maybe. I've lived in Montreal, Quebec my whole life. Part of the reason I like to talk about this is for how little shit we've gone through. Not everyone. There are some people in Montreal that went through some shit. I went through no shit by comparison to the shit you've gone through. I had some bullying (laughs) in high school. Fair enough. Bullying doesn't come to the degree of, you said bullets. And I was like, shit, that's a start. That's like a serious, like unexpected. Like, and I mean, I talked to somebody from Buffalo uh, who also told just casually some story like that. And it's the casualness of it where I'm like, nah, Jumping Joe, I pinky swear promise. I totally did not go through anything that even came that close to scary and all of the scariest shit that I've been through in my fucking life. Also, what up, Nixon420 and uh, Pima Funk who are in the chat saying what's up to you. Hey, shout out to my really fats. What's happening, Pima Funk? And shout out to Kronos. Bring the bars, baby. Hey, wait, hey, man, that's good. Is that Nixon 20 Yo, shut up, Kronos. I know who that is. <laughs> and it's good you didn't have to go through that, man. The beauty, the beautiful thing about making music, I started making music probably about two, three years ago. Um, once everything settled down, you know, I was a star athlete. <clears throat> you know, uh, we gonna, I ended up. We're going to go through all that, dude. I want to hear the story of Jumping Joe. Because you know what? Everyone talks about the music. Everyone talks about that. I promise you, you won't go more than 15 minutes before you're like burned out on it. And people, that's how people are with this shit, right? But yeah. you know what people don't get to hear about? How Jumpin' Joe is busting out fucking cassette tapes at 12 years old with his sister. That's <laughs> that real shit. Yeah, and, I feel uh, you. But, so yeah, how did you decide at 12 to become a musician rapper type? Because you technically started music back then. I'm sorry. Right. I, I did. I technically started music back then at 12. Um, me and my sister made this song, uh, made a rap song. And uh, I guess life happened, you know? At 12 year old, I think I was living like a grown ass man. And probably a lot of people that's gonna see this on my Instagram live or tune into your Twitch. A lot of my homies from back in the day, they'll realize that our, a lot of my peers, they'll realize our childhood we're living like adults, you know what I mean? We had to watch our back and shit like that. Just different like race wars. But that was only a couple of years. That was my uh, junior high years, you know? When I was about 13 and 14 or maybe 12 and 13, right? But when I went to high school, my older cousin, shout out to Michael Cade. My older cousin was a senior when I was a freshman. And he grabbed me under his wing and he said, look, hanging out with these gangsters and shit like that. Cause I wasn't hanging out with the gangsters to be a gangster. I was hanging out with the gangsters because we had each other back. Cause it was some race shit going on in Southern California around the time that I was in junior high, right? So when I went to high school, it was like a fresh cup of water, a fresh cup of water coming from salt water. You know what I mean? Like it was beautiful, man. My cousin was a star athlete and he made me run track just like him. And uh, I I wasn't that fast, man. I didn't like coming in second place. I ran a couple of races and I lost, but they put me in the long jump and the high jump and I won that shit. And uh, I was a freshman and this was the varsity uh, high jump and long jump. I won both of them. Three of the triple jump, the high jump and the long jump, I won them all. And uh, from that moment on, uh, my coach, may he rest in peace, Mark Turrell, he took a liking to me. And uh, he this would always... your name. Yeah, yeah, Jumpin' Joe, that's me. And uh, coach gave me that name, may he rest in peace. 
he took a liking to me and always checked on me like a movie. You know what I mean? Let's check on the at-risk team. You know, he checked in on me. He knew my mom. My mom was my mom loved him. And uh, he just made sure that I, I stayed in the classroom, do what I had to do, made sure I was active in extracurricular activities around school. You know, I won homecoming king my senior year, best athlete of the year, uh, freeway league, like our league athlete of the year, the Kiwanis Club, the guys with the hats and the flags and shit, they came and gave me a championship ring. It, it was crazy, man. I did a lot of good stuff, but all of that was just really me trying to be better than my older cousin. Because my older cousin had so many damn accolades holding. It was crazy. And uh, I'd say I at least matched him, you know what I mean, throughout my time. And then after after high school, uh, I ended up That's super interesting, at- right? Just the power of having, like, an older relative or somebody in your life that is accomplishing things at such a pace that you're like, yo, I want that myself. And then you start accomplishing mm-hmm. it. But then he keeps accomplishing more. So now you have to keep accomplishing more in order to keep up like that. That's a fucking interesting dynamic to have in people's lives. Yes, that's exactly what it is to this day. He taught me how to be a man a God, taught me how to be a husband, taught me how to be a father. I'm always taking notes behind this cat. If you're a cool dude, Mike Tate, he's a poet. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, that's where I, you know, I had a lot of years writing poetry too. Uh, I put out a couple of poetry books in the past as well, published on Amazon. Yeah, but um, yeah, man. So that's basically where the whole, uh, you know. Oh, so now we're in college, and I'm triple jumping, and I'm long jumping, and and stuff like that. And uh, I gotta ask a question: Are track like college people like cool athletes? Like, are y'all just respected the same as other athletes? Like, cause I don't know. I never talked to a jumper before. Like, like mm-hmm. in the world of college athletics, is that shit still litty? <clears throat> yeah, it's still litty, man. Uh, jumpers. Well, I guess every track athlete in college, you know, would be considered, you know, cool and shit like that. Right. Um, the cross country or the, the runners that do long distance. They're more of the Prefontaine type of runners, you know what I mean? They're real cool, you know? You know, might smoke a little bit or something like that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, track and field athletes are highly respected across, they were in my school at Cal State Fullerton, you know, across the board. We, we got a lot of love. And, what were you uh, studying? Mental health and counseling. Yeah, that's mad nifty. Yeah, I used to use that shit to, uh, help out, you know, family issues, crisis intervention, theories and techniques, you know, counseling. And during this time, are you still, like, interested in music or are you, like, focused more heavily on just the athletics? Oh, man, music isn't even on my radar at this time when I'm in high school, when I'm in college. Um, About four years after college music, started coming on my radar because they started making apps where <coughs> excuse me where you can like rap on your phone and uh i started really trying to figure out how to do that and then i gave up on that and uh because poetry was really uh really my thing at the time man i was doing poetry show that's how i met my producer a wall uh 
how, his father say oh well i got into poetry through my older cousin mike mike used to write girls love letters and it was beautiful like poetry man He'd be like, look, Joe, if you're trying to win her heart, you got to you gotta come at it like this, man. He, you know, he'd show me different love letters and poems and stuff. And so I guess after high school, after college, after four years of being on my own, everything started kind of settling down. I started searching for, like, who is Joe Thomas? You know, not jumping Joe. You know, who am I? And uh, mm. I, had a, I took a 14-day vow of silence. And... Uh, it really, it really let me know where I stood uh, in the world as a whole. It was beautiful, man. Uh, how, how, okay, how do you get to the point where you decide to not say a damn thing for 14 days? You get laid off. I got laid off of work and I was like, yo, this is the perfect time, not only to meditate, but let me go ahead and take a vow of silence because I'm tired of all these fake people around me liking me for the things that I've done and they don't really know nothing about me. You understand? They just, you know, oh, I know Jumpin' Joe, but when it comes down to it, I need help moving or something. Where the hell is the people that supposedly know Jumpin' Joe that's cool with Jumpin' Joe? You know, it was like everybody was really, really gravitating to a name, track records, and stuff that I'd done as opposed to me as a person. So I decided to shut the hell up for 14 days and, and I had a notepad to communicate if I ever needed to communicate. Uh, what it did was it heightened my senses, man. Like I wrote some beautiful poetry throughout that time. And my cousin Mike had already kind of planted the seed of poetry just from showing me all those love letters and stuff like that in the past. In high school, man, I decided to sit down and write a book. And it was a book of po a chat book. Uh, it was called Love and Lust. I wrote that back in 2011 or 2012. And um, then, it's, then I started performing my poetry through the city of Fullerton in California. And the host of a huge poetry show named Jason Fairhurst Wall had a son named Aiden Wall, A Wall. And uh, he, Aiden was like 10 years old when he performed his poetry at uh, one of the shows that I, I did my poetry at in the, the Fullerton Auditorium. And uh, then about four or five years later passed and his dad reached out to me like, hey man, my son makes beats and he's dope. I was like, the little guy that did poetry about five years ago? He said, yeah. And so me and Awol linked up from that yeah, point. That's man. amazing. So I have a question about track post uh, college. Is there like mm -hmm. opportunities for that? How how do you like, were you an athlete after college or did it kind of like end with the end of college? Well, man, you can actually be a, you know, you can get sponsored. I didn't get sponsored. You know, I wasn't an athlete after college. There wasn't too many track clubs, you know, in Southern California. Um, so my career basically just ended. I mean, I jumped a couple of times after that just to, you know, make sure I still had it. But then I had to hop into the workforce, man, immediately. So it's like we wasn't paying the bills. I didn't get the satisfaction, and you know, of uh, being a professional track athlete until I got a job in 2015, making what a professional track athlete would make. That's how I was able to get that chip off my shoulder. 
Is it good money to be a professional track athlete? Like, I don't know fuck all about track, honestly. I could kind of well, know I mean, what on, it is, but, like, I don't know on, a lot on about On the low end, you yeah, on the low end, man, you know, 50000 60000 a year, like a contract. You have a contract and stuff like that. So I just did the math, broke it down to make sure I was making what I could have made if I would have ever got now, signed. Hold on. Just to be clear, that's the U.S. dollar, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's more like 80 in my country. <laughs> So it's like um, a bigger yeah. number for us, <clears throat> or worth putting into perspective, because sixty Canadian is not the same. Um, but uh, that's serious. So you basically would find a club and then find a sponsor, and then people would just kind of give you a contract to run on their behalf in the various tournaments to win the prize monies of the tournaments. Exactly. Exactly. They'd house you. You'd be like a adult, you know, like an athlete. Uh, you live, at the, you know, or work out at the training facility, I think, stuff like that, you know, and they'd house you, room and board and all of that. But, you know, situation got critical, man. I had a knee surgery back in 2013, and I ended up losing my apartment. So I had to move with my homeboy, Jose. Uh, I was, it, it was crazy. But keep in mind, me and my wife had reconnected via Facebook. And we were just friends. She was with me on my poetry journey. Like, mm. I drew her in to help me with my poetry. And then it, we just built and connected from there. Oh, and we got so, a question. Uh, uh, just yeah. Was it the medical expenses that made it so complicated when you had knee surgery? Man, I had to sling the pills that the doc prescribed. I don't even know how I survived. I, I rap about that in one of my... Uh, one of my songs, man, this shit was real. I'm telling you, it was just me on my own. Lost my job, you know, couldn't get unemployment. Uh, had to sling the pills that the doc prescribed. Shout out to Argue. He the only one that could feel my pain, you know. Uh, we used to talk and pray night and day, you know. Like, these are lyrics from, you know, Ain't No More Room. That's the name of the song. And uh, Wow, that's like, just keep in mind, free healthcare up here. It might be slow healthcare, but it's certainly free. So, like, yeah. um, the idea of just being in a position where breaking or needing a knee surgery could fuck you up to a point where you have to sign pills instead of taking the pills because that's it. That's some serious shit. Yes. Yes. I'm not proud, but I, I had to do what I had to do, man. And yeah. so, me and my wife ended up, uh, I asked her to marry me, so we ended up um, engaged. I flew out to Sydney, Australia. She flew from Pakistan to Sydney, Australia, where my sister-in-law lives. Shout out to Symbol. That's my sister-in-law. She's a twin, my wife's twin. And uh, we met there, you know, we didn't meet in Pakistan, you know, she, we just kind of met on neutral grounds, you know, because I was a little scared to go to Pakistan. You know, I'm American, wow. Christian and black. It's like, yo, that's three strikes against me, man. It's kind of dangerous, you feel me? I'm with the shit, but I ain't with that. So I went to Lahore yeah. one time. So I went to Pakistan. Yeah, that's where she's from. That's where my wife's oh, that's from. crazy. Lahore. I went there. So I spent a month in Lahore, and I'm Jewish. So yeah. I, I had to fill out the application in a way that didn't make me look so Jewish. And I'm, I'm grateful my last name is Roy, so I could hide. But yeah, so I yeah. went to Pakistan. I worked there in a call center with them, training some people. So I was fucking blessed. But I understand where you're coming from. It is, yeah. You definitely stand out in mm -hmm. a huge way. So we got married, and then I flew back to... Uh, I flew back to California and then I just made some moves, man. That's when I stayed 
with the homie Robbie. Shout out to Amer. I stayed with him for a, a couple of days. And then I lived with my homie Jose in his den uh, for about two weeks. Saved up enough money for a plane ticket to move out here to Texas. And I stayed with my cousin. Shout out to Roman. I stayed with my cousin for about five months. I found a job after two days. Started working. And that job was a admissions representative making the kind of money that, you know, for the whole track thing. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It all ties in. So I have a question, though. Before we mm -hmm. move on to the more current parts, what was it like performing poetry? Like, just like, what's that grind like? Uh, it was beautiful. It, it it brought me closer to God because of the way that my gigs would happen. Like, I never reached out to anybody for a gig. It would just always be some beautiful spirit in the crowd that reached out to me. Someone who didn't even look like they were interested or look like they would host events and uh i would just perform through the city of fullerton at open mics but after every show somebody would reach out to me hey i was wondering if you'd be able to do this wondering if you'd be able to do this you know i made some money from performing poetry too it was it was and it wasn't because i was charging it was just donations i love that type of crowd and energy man there's some people who were like look we'll pay you to do this do, do this and do this and do this and it was cool man yeah, that's big. So you're saying out there, there's like this open mic circuit where if you bless with it, people are actually invested in giving money to you. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Oh, that's pretty dope. No, for real. Yeah. Like, uh, there is not as big of a culture of people getting paid to do that kind of stuff in Montreal because we are unfortunately an extremely saturated city with lots of shit to do. So it makes the lower end of stuff more complicated. Um, fair enough. So you go through all of that, and then how do you end up at the point Is is it, uh, where you decide that you're now going to migrate more directly into music? Well, I guess what happened was... Um, my wife ended up moving from Pakistan. I got my own apartment and we were this happy family here. Uh, we had my son a couple months after she moved here. And now I'm in my dream job. All my bills are paid. Uh, I'm thanking the Lord and thanking all my friends who got me here. Everyone that I've mentioned literally had a, a role in getting me to this place that I was at in 2015. So I sat back and I said, look, man, I got some extra money. Let me go ahead and buy a mic, buy a laptop, buy the isolation phone, and let me go ahead and rap. Now I can do it. You know, there's a means for me to do it now. And uh, from that point on, man, it's just been, just been making music. All right, so let's go more into detail of your making music. Uh, so how do you start making songs when you get into it? Like, what is your process like? Um, the process is... <coughs> well, it has... it Just like poetry, it has to, like, come to me. You know what I mean? Like, if I'm if I'm in REM sleep or something like that, you know, and something's on my head, you know, I'll probably jot down a few words on my phone and then wake up, find a beat, or either have a producer send me a beat Whatever way it is, I'm getting the beat because I got to get this out of my head. And then I just hit that record button, man, and spit about four or five bars. Uh, and then hit pause, 
and then I replay it, and then I pick up from where I left off, and then keep going. 16 bars ain't nothing, man, compared to, you know, writing a poem. You know, writing, me, poetry is a lot more complex than making a song. How uh, so? Well, in poetry, it's more showmanship, I think. Uh, me, personally, when, uh, when I'm writing a poem, you know, I might say, uh, silence is golden, but the wind tells a precious tale just as well. Rocks remain still while trying to fit in, but are stepped upon and thrown afar. Their whispered companionship is never granted. You know what I mean? Like that shit right there. Like, I mean that when I'm saying, it, you know, but when I'm rapping, it's just like, uh, Ain't no friend of mine I could count the time they weren't there at the times I needed them. Just me and God when I stared the devil in the face and I defeated them. Fake smile when I put some endorphins in my brain, but I depleted them. Heart inflated with rage, light the sage before I end up in the cage. You know, it's just like, it's a, it's different. I, I don't know. I can't, like. Because to me, like, huh? I don't see how it's all. I mean, I know how it's different in a lot of ways. But man, if you just brought that that fucking like poetry energy to the fucking beat, bro, oh my god, that would be ridiculous. I'm fucking <laughs> listening to rappers who rap like your poetry. <laughs> like I personally fucks with that shit. I'm like, uh, that's the beauty of this is that like there is a huge amount of poetry. Because you had said earlier, you were like, I gotta sit there and figure out the writing thing. I'm like, I don't think you really gotta figure out the writing thing. You th you probably mm -hmm. already know how to do the writing thing. If you're dropping fucking poems off the like, you just fucking spit that shit too. Like, you had it ready to go. Like, do you have everything memorized? Um, I have a lot of poems memorized. Yeah, I don't have any of my raps memorized. But my poems because I write my poems down. I've they're I've written them down, and uh, you know I have the poems memorized. Uh, because that was a beautiful time. I wrote a lot of those poems on that 14 day vow of silence. Um, mm. I have a book that's called 14 days of vow to be heard, uh, a, a vow of silence to be heard. And each day I journal my experience that day. And then I have a poem that I wrote that day to sum up that day. You know? And then in addition to a whole bunch of other stuff, man, I got a lot of poems I don't forgot about over the years. That's cool. How did you end up like publishing the book? What is that like getting to a point where you're going to actually go through the part of publishing a book? Man, really, it just took a little time, a little keyword searching to figure out how to do it on your own and how to make the most money from it. Um, I did it through Amazon and then ultimately I got expanded distribution for independent bookstores and stuff throughout the United States. Uh, it got picked up by Barnes and Nobles. This is a play that I wrote. Uh, I wrote a play, a full-length play called Stop By. Um, it's about an artist in downtown Los Angeles named Jeremiah who uh, had a harsh critique of one of his paintings. And then he stumbles upon an abandoned warehouse that turns to be, turns out to be a, a lounge with a whole bunch of peculiar characters to give their take on his portrait that was critiqued so harshly. And he kind of learns, you know, it's a feel good play. You know, there's a lot of different characters in there. I incorporated me and my wife's email messages from when we were talking back and forth in the scene. And so it's like our very, me and my wife's origin is encapsulated like in that book, in the, in the area of that play. It's a beautiful thing. Our actual messages back and forth from the day we met until 
I can't tell too much, but that's the book though. Yeah, that's that's you know that's the book I wrote. But I just published it through Amazon, man. You can figure it out. You just got to go through a step, publish it, order a whole bunch of Arthur copies because you only pay printing costs, and then sell it at regular cost. That's how you make the money. Yo, for real though, like <clears throat> as Ismail just said there, books, plays, poetry, and rapping. It's it's a pretty impressive repertoire so far. But I also like the fact that you took the time to learn how to make the most profits off of it. I assume there's multiple ways to go about this Amazon game. Um, KDP. If anybody out there wants to publish your own book, just type in KDP and then Amazon hit enter and then they'll tell you the steps. It's dope. There's hundreds of people out there with a manuscript, but they don't have nobody to let them know how to get that manuscript out, man. And so thanks for having the platform for me to let anybody who's watching know. It's KDP and then Amazon. Search that, mock my words, man. You'll love me for it. You'll go ahead and just publish your book, man. Hard copy too, you know? <clears throat> yeah, it's dope still. Do you sell a lot of books? When I'm marketing them, yeah. When I, No, when I'm marketing the books, I can slang those books, but you know, when I'm not, nah, <coughs> I no, just had, I got so important. And I bring that up because without naming names, I had a friend who went down the route, self-published some books, didn't really market them very well and was under the impression it would be a little easier to sell books on Amazon. But, um, it is worth pointing out that if you are going to go down that grind, it is still a grind to make sure that you slang those books after it's not just going to like happen because you hit publish exactly it's just like anything man you know you get the work for cheap and you sell it for high and you make your profit but with me it's a little different because you know i was not only selling the work and getting profit but my market was very like niche because it was people who wanted to know how to write books and people who, who were inspired by me just keyword they thought I figured I didn't figure anything out I just found out how to do it and uh so you know I was walking people through how to do it after you know they're buying my book I'm walking them through how to do it it was beautiful man it was a great relationship mm. yeah we got another question with related to this Amazon books yo people love the business shit dude business shit's hot um so have you ever done the paid Amazon to put sponsored posts for your book and if no so, no I have I haven't done any ads. Uh, I did one IG ad, and if it would have been successful, I would have gotten charged a lot more than what was in my budget. And like, it, I, it was just a bad experience, left a bad taste in my mouth. But that's definitely the way to go, man. That is a big statement, though. If it had been successful, it would have gone way over my budget. Yeah way over my budget and there was nothing i could do about it the money would have just came from my account and i would have got charged that you know what i mean like yeah <clears throat> ridiculous amount yeah sponsored ads is not a cheap game i tell everybody the same thing if you can't afford to put up like at least four figures a month a mm -hmm. month yeah don't even start yeah that's like, true you gotta be you gotta be that far along in your money game in order to like maintain Cause that's what you're going up against is four figure budgets regular people throw mm -hmm. that kind of money at social media all the time 
Um, but that's fresh though, still is that you're able to build it. How do how how do you build up your organic network then? I saw you have nine thousand five hundred followers on Instagram, which is not bad. <laughs> it's actually like pretty fucking good for a guy who doesn't pay for shit. So how does one actually build up that network? Man, everybody everybody wants something, you know. So all you gotta do is just what I do is help people out the way I wasn't helped out. So if I see somebody making music, then I let somebody know a dope ass QR code website to make a QR code. And then I might even, hey, I noticed you're wearing the necklace. Cut your QR code out and put it on your necklace. And when you when you're at work, you just tell somebody, hey, scan this real quick. Okay, that's a stream for you. You know, stuff that's worked for me. Well, hold the fuck up. I tell people that QR code thing is very interesting. You can do that. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy, man. Uh, there's a yeah, lot. Of, it's more than forty ways to skin a cat, and more than forty ways to make a buck. Yeah, legally, you feel me? And I that's do. just the energy that I bring to. But most of like, trash at that. That's the facts of it. Like I didn't even think about that QR code thing. I'm gonna be fucking googling how to do that. When I'm fucking done printing some shit out. Fuck and put it on some crap. <clears throat> yeah, man. It, it, well, you it, it, it. It, 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 stick it on the back of your fucking phone. <laughs> Yeah, for real. If especially if you're selling a product, at least to uh, what they call is an impulse buy, you know. So. No, I, I feel that. Okay, what other tips can you give the world, Jumpin' Joe the rapper? Um, everybody likes an experience, you know. So tap into augmented reality. You know, it was tapped in, but people didn't put the effort in to really, really get down to it. You know, like I have an app on my phone where if I scan this right here, uh, a Nipsey Hustle song will pop up on my phone like a video. You know what I mean? And there's ways you can incorporate that type of stuff with your merchandise. Nipsey Hustle is the blueprint. May he rest in peace. He had a whole smart store in the, uh, on Crenshaw in, uh, in Los Angeles. It was a smart store because every single one of his tags, you know what I'm saying, had... Uh, content embedded in it mm. so, so you, no matter so no matter what you got you got nipsey's content by scanning the thing well i can scan I, i'd be able to have an app i download finance that would be the name of the app right like your beanie finest and then uh i'd open the app and scan that and your new twitch interview will pop up you'll just be behind closed doors updating the content you feel me? Yo, for real, jumping Joe, you onto some shit. I guess mm -hmm. that's what happens when you are uh, out there in other places and seeing some things. But damn, that's like fucking nifty. I feels it. I like been thinking a lot about virtual reality and I haven't thought anywhere near as much about augmented reality, but I totally get where you're coming from and there's so much fucking power in that. A lot. Yeah. It was super nifty. Yeah. Um so basically, you're putting up music then for the last couple of years, and you've been just coming up with innovative ways to push your music. Exactly. In a nutshell. So how do you get to a point where you get the number three song on an iTunes store? Man, I pushed the hell out of it. That song was called Mind Your Business. So it's not about hitting people's inbox, telling them, have you heard this new song? It's about communicating with people and using your Facebook friends as job leads or sales leads, man. You know, if you got over 600 Facebook friends, that's over 600 conversations that you got to actually 
spark up. And it needs to be authentic too. Like you got to tell 600 people, hey, Merry Christmas, take care. Don't be pushy, you know? I got a background in sales too, you know? And if the work is good enough, it'll sell itself. But I'm shortchanging myself if I don't expose you to it. I want to expose you to it, but I'm not going to like impose, you know, and, and force anything on you. So what I did with Mind Your Business is I used all of my Facebook friends as sales leads, reached out to all but probably about 30 or 40 of them, man. And I had like over 600 of them, man. And I just let them know, hey, look, man, why don't you get this on iTunes, man, if you like this song, for the simple fact that, you know, I don't really make that much. And it got a few people that rock with you, you know, you just let them know. I don't make that much if you just stream it, but if you purchase it, that's where it's at. And then that's how it hit, them, hit the charts, man. It was cool. So let me understand this. You do stuff like just go through your Facebook list and wish people happy birthdays and fucking shit like that. Just let it be. You know, just give the occasional organic conversational point. That's it. And you nurture this shit. So you nurture it, all of them, all of your Facebook friends. A majority of the ones that rock with me, yeah. Or at least you filter it out to the list of people who are, because basically you figure out right fast who's never going to click on your shit. That's what you're saying. That's a, that's a sales thing. So you figure out your nose, cuts it into whatever number it'll be. And then you effectively nurture every other human on that list. Exactly. Exactly. Y'all can know that he's actually like, you want to know how you know Jumpin' Joe oh, knows his shit. He said my name like four times in this interview. And most people never say my name one time. <clears throat> hey, you got to know when to hold him. No, but like those kind of subtleties are like big, right? Like you, you control a call by saying people's names. You, you, there's little things like that. Like I know a lot of it from the customer service side of it, which is just the opposite of sales, but still as hard as sales. But like, um, it's the same kind of principles and whatnot. So you basically reach out to everybody and then you ask them to buy it. And you were just humble enough to be like, I'll make a lot off of this. And they just did it. Exactly. People love vulnerability, man. You just got to be upfront with them because people will mess around and not support you because they think you're doing so well. And they figure I'll just be a needle in the haystack, man. This guy is so successful. Let me go about my business. And they might even be praying for you and they might be supporting you. They might be clicking like, but they just feel like their contribution wouldn't make a difference because you're doing so damn well you know that's where all that braggadocio you know rap you know that shit can bite you in the ass too you just got to be vulnerable every now and then and humble yourself and let people know exactly what's really going on because projecting <coughs> positivity into your life on the rap song is one thing but you know if you never talk about yo you know i ain't getting paid for any streams I need the green, I need the kind that wrinkle, I don't need the kind that jingle, so listen to my single. You know, like when you're rapping and people hear shit like that, they're like, damn, I thought he was doing good, man, let me go ahead and buy this. My bad, Joe. You understand what I mean? Like, that's just really what it is, man. It's so you're saying most of us fail because we just don't talk about how broke we are. I'm saying that's why I'm not failing because sometimes I do talk about how much I need other people to assist me. Yeah. I <laughs> and I'll assist that. them. I'll assist them in return too. <clears throat> That's why wow. I built my social network. I have a social network I built from scratch called Jumpstart Social. 
It's my own Facebook. I'm the Mark Zuckerberg. I don't have no administrators. I don't got no ads. I don't have no distractions. It's just people that rock with me. On they had they download the app, jumpstart social, and they can rock with me on my social network. I can send messages back and forth with them. I post letting them know when I'm gonna drop an album and everything like that. It's like a like a fans only or something like that. But you know, I, I don't I didn't really dig too deep to figure out what that was until after I had spent all this damn time building my own social network and it's an app now. And then I'm like, damn, I could have made an OnlyFans. <laughs> yeah, OnlyFans is like surprisingly late. Um, I think more people should use it. And I think OnlyFans wants people that don't take off their clothes to use it because I keep getting um, Facebook ads for DJs and other types to jump on the OnlyFans. So they really do want us to be there. But, you know, the fact that you could gate content on the fly, make subscriptions free or paid, make whatever, it's basically like a better Patreon. It's, it's like just a better Patreon because of the way the DM elements and everything work into it with a more appealing interface. Um, yeah, no, it's a, it's a pretty interesting point when you pitch it from the idea of OnlyFans being a privatized social network where you control the flow of things. Yeah, that's what I built. I didn't realize that I basically built the OnlyFans. You know what I mean? That shit was hard to build, man. How did you build it? Through, <laughs> through Wix. Um, through Wix and a lot of YouTube videos, man, and a lot of keyword searches you know, figure out the plugins that I needed. To... It was a nightmare. I don't think I'd build one for someone if they paid me, man. That's how long it took me to do. But, but yeah, Jumpstart Social. If you type in Jumpstart Social, Jumping Joe. I'm going to go link it right now. Jumpstart Social. Uh... Then you said, then I jump in, Joe. Yeah, like in the Google search, that way it'll pop up. Jump start, jump in, Joe, the rapper dot wixsite dot whatever. Hold on, I'm going to move that on the screen. We're going to cover you. Oh, shit, your music's playing. <laughs> see how y'all can see it there. I'm going to put the link and we're going to, we can join. Oh, there's a login button. That's pretty cool, dude. Like, I fucking love the way that there's a fucking Nipsey ho uh, quote right there. Let me jump that in. Y'all should go fucking join the social network of Jump and Joe the Network, the rapper. And for those of you um, who are seeing this in the future or whatever, I don't know. We'll link it in the video down below and whatnot because, like, it's cool that you built this. How did you get to the point where you wanted to build your own site and build this out? Like, I've not heard of a single – I've heard of people, like, talk about apps or this, that, the next thing. But how did you decide I'm going to build my own – social network outside of all the other social networks like what's the case for it because I, I figure exclusive content plus leverage equals profit you know what i mean like you got a lot of rappers on instagram um and you know the the ultimate goal would be eventually to turn a fan into a customer and maybe even a friend you know uh but so that's basically why I built the social network. I built the social network for a company that I used to work for. It was a Fortune 500 company, and that's what uh, sparked my interest. I reached out to a legendary rap artist, man, by the name of X-Rated. Uh, he's a hip-hop artist in California, right? I reached out to him, and I sent him a video of me in California in a suit and tie pitching the social network that I built for the Fortune 500 company. 
I sent X-rated a 50 second clip like, hey dog, I, and I put, hey dog, I could build you a social network. And about four months later, he just responded, let's do it. And so I built a whole social network. And this wasn't a, a with Wix. I built this one like from scratch, scratch. I built it from WordPress. It's, it's another way you can build stuff, right? I built it from WordPress, got everything ready, had the splash uh, logo and uh, had members of his entourage build dummy profiles for them and had their profile picture. Their profile picture was a QR code that led to their content, you know, with their picture in the middle as a logo. And uh, unfortunately, one of his business partners uh, didn't see the need for it, you know. But after that, I was like, well, shit, I might as well build my own. And it took so long to build through WordPress, and I lost all of the passwords and stuff for it, so I couldn't just transfer it to a Jumping Joe social network. So I let about a year or two pass, and then I just got one day I woke up. Mally Music, my label mate, shout out to Mally Music. He'll tell you, man, sometimes I just wake up with an idea, like I got to go and get it with a sense of urgency uh something you know to create or something and so i just woke up like i know the time is past and there has to be an easier way to build a social network now and there is through wix it takes about 75 percent less time to build a social network on your own how wix. much time does it take it, it can take you about including the, the youtubes because like yo we got the squarespace right Oh my gosh, I don't log into it. I don't like it. It's a lot of YouTubes. And I'm like, I don't think I can handle the bandwidth in my brain for this right now. So it's just kind of sitting there. Probably, I want to say about 48 hours. 48 committed hours to building a social network. Yeah. Yeah. If you got about 48 hours, you can go ahead and make that pop, man. Just do your thing. Interesting. I'm going to look into that then. That could be something to do with this website. I'm sure whatever you can do on Wix, Squarespace has a version of it whether it's better or worse who the fuck knows but yep. oscar the grouch uses squarespace and other people use wix i don't know i really like these i really like their youtube ads both these companies have excellent youtube ads um joe's signature line we got to figure this out i fucks with joe's signature line yeah no um i like your attitude i like the way you approach stuff um definitely fucking like incredible that you put together a social network or even had the initiative to reach out to a rapper to be like bro i'll build you a social network like what the fuck man like that's a level of you're gonna be in for a lot of money in the next decade that i haven't heard of a lot on these interviews appreciate it man i mean bro, it's just one like, of those things man you know i think they say like you know your words shall not return back to you void and you know, I'm a believer, so it's just like, you know, if I say something and I mean it and I say it, you know, with the authority of, of the Lord Jesus, that's not gonna come back to me void. So, you know, if I wanted to do something, I'm gonna go for it. You know, win or lose, it's a learning situation, and win or lose, it's a testament to exactly who I am. And uh because, you know, everything I touch is supposed to turn gold. You know, it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. And that's just one of the promises, man. That's that's a promise, you know, in my relationship with the Lord. And, you know, at my age, it's just like clockwork. I get what I put out, you know, and it's just a matter of it's a matter of expanding my mind to 
go for other opportunities. A lot of people spend their life chasing a dream, man, and they think it's cool. But it's all about catching the dream so you can make another dream and then catch that one. Make another dream and catch that one. And then, you know, show your kids. That's your legacy. You know, uh, when it, when I, when it, you know, when my time is done, you know, my child is going to understand that I can do any, he can do anything he wants to do, you know? Mm. Yo, what's that plaque behind you? <coughs> That's from my song, Oh No. It reached 50,000 Spotify streams. They sent a plaque? Hey, my wife had it made for me, man. Spotify oh, didn't cool. send it. You got to go through Jewelry Box Platinum. That's the name of that company. Oh, that's so fucking sweet. I'm like sitting there staring at that like, yo, what did he do to get a Spotify plaque the whole time? And I'm like, that's so fucking cool. I'm, I'm it proud also of that, fucking good. Yo, 50,000 streams on Spotify is no fucking joke, my guy. Thanks, yo, man. You, you can't even fake that easily. Like you would have to run that yourself for like months to even get close to faking that. Man, I'm telling you, bro. This is really, man. You know, it's it's really a blessing. You know what I mean? Like, like I think Outkast said, if you don't move your feet, then I don't eat. You know, this music thing is like 90% fans and 10% artists. <laughs> it really is, man. It, uh, okay, so can you clarify what you mean by that? I mean that I can put out as much content as I put out, but if y'all ain't rocking with it, I'm not getting no streams. I'm not getting nothing back. But once again, it's a matter of time. You know, it's just like investing. You got to hold. You got to you gotta put your music out there. Quantity, quality, and, uh, and just engage with people, man, and tell people to tell other people and stuff like that. You know, it's hard, man. It's hard. I definitely agree. It's hard. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so how did you end up linking up with the Bring the Bars people? Because that's basically why I know you exist. Shout out to KC King Canada, man. He's a genius. Look, Mally Music, my label mate, one of the dopest out the West, right? Mally real sick. Uh, I was listening to this radio station in Texas where I live. I live in Texas. I was listening to this radio station. And I heard one of Mally's songs. And so I got his name and I added him on Instagram. And then he was like, yo, we both uh, mess with the same radio station because I was on like the top 10 or whatever. And Mally was on the top 10 too. And uh, me and Mally clicked. I sent him a video. So you, both, like I told, you, you got played on the radio too? Um, It was a, uh, a online radio station here in Texas called uh, Insanely Gifted Radio. Uh, they take artist submissions all the time. It's an independent artist uh, radio station. And uh, I was listening to this song and I heard this cat and I was like, yo, man, this is dope right here. And I found it, I got his name, added him on Instagram. And my offering and friendship, because I'm old school, I'm cut from a different cloth. You know, what do you bring to the table, right? So I sent them a video. It was a, a graphic, uh, like a, it had his album art and you know, the album art was spinning in circles and stuff, and they had his music playing in the back, and I knew how to make those. That's how I was pushing my song on Instagram. So I was like, hey, this is what I can offer, man. Sent him that. He was like, hey, man, good looking out, dog. You know, it was like a 30-second clip of one of his songs. I was like, yeah, and then I told him about the QR code, um, and then I told him, talked to him about the AR app, 
and uh, AR tags and target marketing and stuff like that. And then we just built a cool relationship and started to, and we made a song, um, Straight A's. Uh, you can find that one that's out. That one surpassed 13,000 streams. But uh, so what happened was he tells me, hey, man, you need to be a part of this group. It's called Bring the Bars. And then he added me on Bring the Bars. And then Sean LeMay, he's the host, but he's not like, a, he doesn't have a gatekeeper. You know, he's the host of Bring the Bars and he just he really interacts with everybody, man. And uh, it was dope. I call Sean LeMay S-Dot, man. Like these are guys that, you know, if they needed a place to stay, I'd be like, look, man, you can kick it on the couch, dog, but that's all I, you know, that's all I can do. You know, like these are real people, man. Like that I got love for, man. They authentic. And uh it's much more than this rap shit, you know what I mean? And uh that's how I that's how I ended up being a, on Bring the Bars, man. And then it got to a point where I was making a song a day and I was just posting, 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 so I can get people's reaction because there were sound. You made a song a day. Yeah, I was making a song a day, man. I'm, I'm pretty sure, pretty sure everybody in Bring the Bars probably remember that, man. I was flooding, I was just posting, but, but I was still interacting, you know. I'm I'm, I'm talkative, man. I mean, I was I was liking people's stuff, commenting on people's stuff, posting my music, and then it got to the point where it was like, yo, uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder, Joe. Like, what are you doing, man? You know, you're 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 oversaturating people with material, so just go ahead and pull back a little bit. And so uh, I just pull back and uh, but what I do is I put a song on SoundCloud, I push that bitch hard just to get a response from people, and then I make the song private. And then, and then I end up dropping it whenever I drop it. You know what I mean? And uh, do you find that works? Yeah, yeah, it does work, man. You find out, you know, people are like, eh, you know, I got about a good ten people, man, that got a good ear for music, you know. And uh, but so like, yeah, is it like if people start asking where the song went, you know, that's a good song? Yeah, well, I know it's a good song. Uh, I know it's a good song if I get DM'd about it, you know, or if my wife is like, I like that one. You know, yeah. if my wife, my wife is like, interesting. I'm like, nah. So your no. wife is the threshold to not pursue the song. Yeah. Yeah. If she says it's interesting. Yeah. I'm like, okay, okay. okay. I'm like, so this ain't like Stratafari. It's not pull a string. Yeah. No. I like it when my girlfriend dances. If my girlfriend's moving, I'm on the right direction usually. Well, that's if I'm, sometimes I just know she's not gonna like the song. So I just kind of move her out of the equation because I know I'm going in a path she's not into. But most definitely I leverage her dancing or bopping or whatever as a measure of is this the right direction or am I overcomplicating this shit? <clears throat> hey, that's true, man. I'm telling you, they're the best references, man. Absolutely. Um, no, but like, I'm just sitting here like going, you you really are taking all of this music shit into a blend of technology and like actual relationship building, which is kind of where like all the tech sphere is going. So it's super fascinating that you're like in line with so much of the trends that are happening. So um i guess my next line of question is going to go more towards the live experience because we haven't talked a lot about if you perform live at all have you done a bunch of live stuff up in texas um i haven't performed one rap show in my life 
that's serious you're sitting there with fifty thousand streams and this crazy social media grind and you haven't performed one time not once man i mean i perform a poem because i can memorize it but like my buddy shout out to mac classic where k-l-a-z-z-i-q uh classic where he has a, you know uh, support black business you know uh he told me hey look man You'd be a fool if you ever got offered to perform and you didn't do it. All you have to do is you have to rehearse your lines. You gotta just like track and field, you know, you just gotta practice it and practice yeah, it. Repetition, kinda right. You know, until you get it. Because your music's good. I, you know, I, I like listening to my stuff because it's like I'm telling you a part of me, and when I listen to it, I feel like, okay, like like hell yeah, that's me. You know, not, oh, it sounds good, but I'm like, oh, shit, I told him about that story, you know, like, when I'm when I'm listening to my music or something, you know? Yeah, and it's, like, you know, it sounds real. You sound so good with it. You could totally memorize it if you have to perform it, but it's interesting to me, right? Because, like, I started, like, taking music seriously, like, nine years ago, and I got my, that's my first performance. So the internet's not where it is now. Um, nothing's where it is today. And really that like live performance, open mic grind, doing shows really mattered a lot more in terms of reputation points because like how the fuck else were you gonna do it? Yeah, yeah, you were pushing your shit on the internet too, but like it wasn't the same, right? Like if you understood the internet back then, it was a different type. Like I didn't know how to social media, whatever. So it was more like whatnot. Then I don't know, I get more into the YouTube grind and do album reviews and shit in twenty sixteen and pivot heavy into this internet world. But even still as a rapper, I was in the real life grind. I didn't really pivot into the internet version of the rapper grind. It wasn't really until I started talking to these doing these interviews and hearing all these different people's stories that I realized how many like options there really are. But um yeah, I really think that like flooding the market track a day thing is a powerful move because it's reminiscent of like the mixtape grind of all of our favorite rappers who have hundreds of songs none of us have ever heard. So there's a lot of value in saturation in the right market. Saturation right. everywhere is a bad move. Saturation in the right places might be like a really smart move kind of thing. Um, but the fact that you never perform, but you're so talented and you don't even write, like remember your songs, you just spit the shit and go. It's like, it's such a different energy and approach like because to me i wrote songs dude the way you wrote poems for years and years and years and years meticulously fucking pouring over shit putting it out nowhere nowhere near the numbers you're getting um then i just for the fuck of it started this off the dome series a couple weeks back just completely unwritten it's so fun i get why you write songs like this it's so fun and it's just so fast and i'm like you know what I'm gonna flood the market this year. I'm gonna go yeah. take that approach because I think there's a lot of value in it. But the fact that like, marketing is on point, your marketing is shit. The first time I ever heard of you was through the Bring the Bars Awards show. I like shit. the whole, I like the whole setup. I was like, damn. I was like, yeah. who is this cat? Like, I mean, I that's for like go, for, go for a job. I thought that was like you have a nice school on, You know, if you put the commercial out there, you have to have it in extra high depth and like. It was, it was, it was, it was definitely, well? this is the first and only time I've ever been asked to plug myself in a fucking plug before. I had no idea it worked or that anybody had seen it. So you're the first person that's even commented on that shit. So that's fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I saw that. I was like, yo, this dude is the real deal, man. Um, I'm definitely trying to be my own version of what Sean's doing up in Montreal. So definitely trying to organize and whatnot. Um, for me, it's like a lot of those community elements. So like, I really respect what Bring the Bars is. I don't have as much time to listen to the music there as I would like because there's a lot of music to listen to in every community, unfortunately. But everything you said about them has been cool. <laughs> the other day, I just impulsed. I was like, well, I'm talking to Jump and Joe, the rapper. What if I just try and see what happens if I interview like a bunch of fucking bring the bars guys in a row and just see what happens with that. So yeah. I booked a whole bunch of them. And uh, I just think it, it's a cool little movement, but it's like y'all are kind of redefining the need to go perform live. Like you did a performance at that award show in your living room, if I'm not mistaken. Um, No, 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 that wasn't me. Okay, I didn't no. do it. He, wow. I was asked. I was asked, but I was like, "Hey, look, man. Okay, my I bad. didn't. I didn't get into the whole. I can't remember my lyrics thing. I just told Sean, "Hey, give me a few seconds. I don't know how to say no, man." And then I just told him, I was like, "I got this baby over." Because it was true, you know. I was like, "I'd have to." There was no way I'd be able to do it in the amount of time that uh, that he needed to prepare for. I couldn't rehearse for it and all that. No, but, fair enough. I did, that was did mercy. Okay. Yeah, I remember watching it and then it was a while ago and I just remember seeing you in it. Maybe you were a host, maybe you won an award. That's what it is. Um your name just is so stand the fuck out. That's what it is. Jumpin' Joe the rapper is one of those names where you just remember it. <laughs> and now you know where it came from. Basically, it's like I'm not jumping Joe the track star. You know, or, or track athlete, you know, because shit, I you know, they got a lot of people that jump earlier than me, you know. So now I'm Jumping Joe the rapper. And when I initially came out as Jumping Joe, there's another old school cat daddy dude named Jumping Joe. He's like R&B, blues and stuff. And uh, a lot of people were getting me mixed up with him. So I just added the rapper to my name so that it would stand out whenever you're searching for it. Yeah, I just got to say, just being involved in all of that, just helping and that's fucking cool that award show shit i don't often have moments where i'm like just flat out i wish i thought of that first but i flat out wish i thought of that first i was like these boys are doing some fucking great shit um are you doing the game show thing no but i am watching the game show i'll be watching man i watched the i watched the first and second episode already that's blessed they're on my uh two do's so I haven't yet watched them. Can you give us a little synopsis of what's happening with them? Yeah, yeah. What the game show is, is, uh, you know, it's a point system. Um, uh, Scotty G won the first one. Uh, it, it's just a matter of knowing your hip hop, man. They might ask you something like, look, you know, in 1993, this album came out by, you know, who was it by? And you'll give you three answers and you have to write your answer down. The other person has to write their answer down. And then you reveal the answers and it's just, you know, who knows their shit. That's what it is, man. Yeah, and uh, it's some good questions on there, dude. I was like, damn, I, I only got like a handful, man. You know, I would have I would have lost like a motherfucker. <sighs> it's interesting to watch. I like watching stuff like that, man. It's cool. That's amazing. What other stuff do you like watching Jumpin' Joe the Rapper? Um. 
shit, how to get into facial recognition, like how to put a picture out there on Google, the cloud. Like I like watching YouTube videos about that, like how to, you know, my dream is to be able to set a image recognition on anything I want to do and have everybody around the world be able to just open their Google lens and look at it. And there's a way to do it, but it's hard as hell. So on my free time, I'm just digging in and digging in and getting deeper and deeper and getting familiar with terminology, man. So to you want to be able to put your face on everything? Not my face, but I want to be able to have you open your Google lens and look at, you know, that bong in the back and then some content that I have stored on the cloud will pop up on your phone. Bro. Oh my gosh, Jumpin' Joe, you're an interesting fellow indeed. I love the way your mind is working here. Yo, the AR sphere is powerful. I heard a lot of people talking about the power. I didn't realize it was like like that kind of powerful. Man, yeah. mix that with VR, that's a recipe for fucking real money. <clears throat> my goodness, man. And also on free time, what else do I like to do, man? Uh, I usually, I'll be watching a, a lot of, I like thrillers, you know, thriller type movies psychological thrillers uh just spending time with my son jumping joey mm. and, uh, and my five-month-old zayden and my wife too man it's family time big on that that's blessed man do you read a lot of books uh no no i don't um but i do read a lot you know as much as i can um i'm currently reading mastery by robert green uh, okay it's a pretty dope book um, it just basically talks about how to tap into that mastery, you know, like in school, when you ever pulled off, you know, studying for a test or writing a paper in crunch time, then that crunch time that you were in, you were exhibiting, utilizing your mastery. And, uh, a lot of people think that they can't tap into that all the time. They create that creativity, that sense of urgency, that sense of mastery. They think they can't tap into it all the time. And the book in a roundabout way goes about how to how to tap into that all the time. And now you're making me want to cop that. I read every other one of his books. <laughs> yeah. I, I figured, okay, I know about mastery. But now I'm like, shit, I gotta cop mastery. The art of seduction is trouble, man. Yo, that is the best. Okay, that, that book, book. That book is trouble. Because that book was very helpful for me, though. Okay, <laughs> like, yeah. no, 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 but it wasn't about like seducing women. Damn. It wasn't about that at all. So it wasn't helpful. Like in, the, I mean, it was. If I was single again, trust came on. But like, outside of that, I had this epiphany reading the book that marketing is seduction, and that's all it is, right? Like. And I, I already kind of knew that, but like, it's like when it talked about the types of people you could be, I'm like, bro, I'm a fucking dandy. Okay. I didn't like, I didn't like have the right word for it. So it yeah, was like, yeah. okay, check that. And then you get to see how the dandies do their thing throughout the book. Yes. And then yeah. you start learning about the different like moves about it. So it's like, how can I incorporate that? into my musical persona, into the mm -hmm. overall brand. I started wearing more pink and shit, right? I started like, yo, my hair got longer. I got like, you know, I let certain things play out to, cause it's yeah. fighting conventional norms. That's a huge part you. of what I, so it's like just for the people out there, you know? And it's like, 
all of that moved into like this ambiguity angles and and so for me it was like how can i take that to my art and seduce the world yeah yeah i and hear so you from that i look at it like so to me the artist seduction is an amazing offensive book whereas the 48 laws of power is a super good defense book because it's really meant to help you defend against the people who are very good yo i'm naive and a lot i I was naive i'm a lot less naive now but like once upon a time had i been thrown into the sharks i would have been demolished but it's because of that book and things like that where i was able to identify not just how other people maneuver but the best ways i could alter my own behavior internally in order to not like piss off my boss and have him think i'm arrogant and and things like that and so for years i've been practicing how to employ certain techniques in order to better present myself into the public and so i fucks with robert green heavy um the 50th law is amazing the one on 50 cent anyway it's not my after cop mastery i could talk about robert green all day um Yeah, hey, and I totally get you, man. I totally understand what you're saying, man, about the artist selection, man. I mean, I, I, I actually, actually went through that book eight hours a day for a couple of days, you know, in between work while I was working, and jotted down some major stuff, man, to help one of my buddies out who was in like a bit of a dry spell. It's kind of like a, you know what I mean? And lo and behold, the shit worked, you know what I mean? You but know. it's not even like not be manipulative, right? It's just like yeah, be confident. Yeah. Awareness. Uh, that's basically uh, what I, what I gave my guy. And, listen, uh, just listen, listen to mm-hmm. the, yo. I swear, if I'm on a date, my number one move is cite some shit they said an hour ago. Yeah. Hey, game over. I hear you, man. But I'm happy, man. You know, I'm happily married. And, uh, yeah. you know, my wife is up here looking at me sideways like, look, what are you talking about? <laughs> my girlfriend is absolutely in the crowd right now. But, <laughs> Yo, but it's useful stuff for the single people. It how, is super useful. Your you. word counts more because you've kept a woman. Right. <laughs> I appreciate you, man. Six years strong, man. I love it. We hit like seven, I think she said. Oh, we'll be seven in uh, September... 19 will be seven years strong. Yeah, that's fucking dope. Shit, stills. We got a question from Ismail who said, do you produce your own beats at all? No, I don't. Uh, I made one beat in my whole life, and I'm proud of that beat. I haven't made a song to it yet, but AWOL is my producer. Uh, I met him at a poetry show when he was 10 right. years old. He's the, He was the host's son. And, uh, and then fast forward five, Ten, no, fast forward about 10 years, and his dad let me know about him. His dad let me know, hey, he makes beats. Like, I got a song called Smart Moves. If you guys ever want to reach out to AWOL, he's on there in the credits on Spotify. You can find his account, his IG and everything. Uh, he yeah, Smart, Smart Moves is a very good song. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. And the content shows this huge desire for ownership. Yes, yes, yes. Some of those songs uh, were written around the time where I was trying to figure out how to uh, make my social network and I wanted to make it quick. You know, I, I had to have a purpose for it. And the purpose of my social network is for me to give people the game that, you know, nobody necessarily gave me. 
um, it's my way of helping others out the way that I wasn't helped out. Like I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you about how to do whatever the hell you're trying to do. You know, Bro, that's actually trying fucking to, helpful. <laughs> yeah. And in doing so, you build good relationships. I think that's only, you know, that's that's the key to these relationships that I build. You know, I got something that I'm giving them in return. You know, in a perfect world, you should love somebody just for who they are, right? But you know, in reality, it's like, how can I help you? Let me help you. And if I help you and you go on and you don't rock with me no more, then that's cool with me because I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm, I'm you know, I'm happy in my life. I'm at this peace, you know. And I think people understand that energy and they're just like, well, let me rock with this cat. Because one, he's just reached out and he's assisting me. Uh, like, I'll be helping people like set up their uh, their settings for for when they rap on BandLab. It takes forever to figure out how to get your settings right on BandLab. BandLab Band Lab is an online DAW. It's an online digital audio workshop. Is it free? Yeah, it's free. And it's like a, a social network too. Like you can What's the advantages to this? Huh? So when I hear a new social network, I always have the one concern. It's going to take time. And is there a real return on investing in it? Because a lot of these beat ops social networks that you can get on your phone are, they're not really my cup of tea per se. It's not so much that I'm not in the place in my life where I see a huge value hmm. proposition in them not to say that other people shouldn't but like depending on where you're at so what's like the value of participating in it i also saw like distro kid apparently has a social network component that i should be fucking with i've never heard of so like i'm Slap. just curious sorry it's called slaps yeah and so i'm hearing that there's all these things out there so would you say this da is worth like messing around with for the sake of the social network elements no, no, I don't even use the social network part. Like, I just use it to make my music. That's serious, though. So you found a free DAW that's browser-based. Just jump on that shit. And uh, there's no catch or anything. You just export to everything. Exports everything, man. And it took me months to figure out, a, you know, the decent presets. My compressor, you know, my another compressor my uh eq uh my echo my you know deesser like all of these plugins it took me a long time man to figure out how to get them right uh so what i did was through trial and error man i don't know how I, well yeah if you do something long enough you'll figure out how to get it right you know <laughs> that's basically what i did and once i got it right I, I wrote them all down on a piece of paper. That piece of paper is up there somewhere, you know what I mean? I wrote them all down on a piece of paper. And every song I would make, I would have to take about 10, 15 minutes and put each preset the right way so my voice would come out, you know, just, just you know. But I have, I have a question on this because yeah. I love what you're saying. Uh, Ismail asks if there's no documentation or tutorials or things like that. Is that stuff available for this uh, doc? man no yeah, i did it a hard smell it sucks man i had to do it <laughs> on my own man and i had to do it in the middle of work and with a little kid no. you know i dude i empathize so heavy i went on a mission one time 
how do I rap on the internet without a fucking delay, but also do it in a way where I could rap with other people? I still haven't solved the problem. I was trying to rap in VR. I swear, I was trying to rap in VR and I couldn't solve this one issue yet. It might be solved, but I haven't quite got to testing yet. But yo, I spent like four four months. Yeah. Because there's yeah. no, if nobody, if nobody really figured it out and created it, it doesn't exist. So I actually made a video called how to rap for free on beat with OBS and voice meter. Cause it's like, nice. it doesn't exist. So I figured, fuck it. I'll make the one video. Cause I know for a fact, motherfuckers are going to be hitting me up way too much for yeah. me to like, right. like I didn't want to have that conversation a hundred times. It turns out I could do it in a screenshot for most people now, but still some gamer kid found it, but it's like to answer the documentation question for real, real Ismail, um, my day job employed me to write the knowledge base for one year. And that I did that like six months of my time. So 50% of my time would go into the knowledge base. So the cost of a good knowledge base is at least five figures a year for a company. Cause you're going to have to put at least a salary on that or at least half a salary on that. So when you're talking freeware as in like the stuff online that is just available, I guarantee you ain't nobody trying that hard beyond basic tech specs because nobody can afford to. So unless there's a user community that really is that passionate about creating that documentation, it will not exist for most freeware. What's today? Is today Friday? Today is Saturday, uh, June 12th. Saturday. Ishmael, if you're a rapper and you want your presets, like, like I was mentioning in BandLab or whatever, um, hit me up, send me a message or something like that, man. And then I'll messenger you and then you put your whatever. So your phone to the, and then I'll tell you each knob to, you know, and each preset to add, it'll probably take about 15, 20 minutes. And then you save the preset. And so every time you rap, your voice will be crisp. And then you just, and there's a way to master your song on band lab too. It's dope. You just drop it in and it masters it. Yeah, that's fucking crazy. All of my music in band lab. That's an interesting resource. I mean, I hit what I would call in my personal life an engineering pipeline issue. <laughs> so <laughs> everything is good on the writing. I finally got the beats situation nice. And then I realized that uh, engineering is not easy to freely get. or, And when you pay for it at a good rate, there's clogs of timelines and the high rates are a bit out of holden's budget right now so <clears throat> I totally it's like it. yo finding solutions like i realized my homeboy in montreal just to plug him here this guy Merker miyagi he's setting up a course so for like 20 dollars or some shit don't quote me on the prices you get access to this 10-week group zoom call session where he'll mix music with you and go over the fundamentals of how to like do a lot of this shit so That's like yeah. that kind of resources i was like fuck me if i can learn to just do but i want to learn how to do bad mixing as in it completes the job and it's like it passes it doesn't have to be great it just has yeah, to pass yeah. the test and hit yeah, yeah, the goal yeah. of that's where i'm at that's where i'm at man no extras and it doesn't sound like trash like that's it that's it give I mean, me my beat minus that's it it's b minus no b plus it's the b maybe i don't know and that's where i'm at dude 
Yo, the man has the number three on spot, uh, iTunes chart on some sales shit with B minus. <laughs> you hear that? Fifty thousand fucking streams, B minus. You fucking hey. hustles. I love man. what you're saying because it it shows that it really isn't about perfection. It's like it really isn't. And people rock with you throughout the journey too. I got the same people that used to listen to songs that I made with headphones and my iPhone. <laughs> And now they're listening to me with my blue, whatever mic and shit, you know, where I'm at now, you know. And these are the same people that are going to be listening. Are you using a blue? Like the Yeti? Uh, I got the the blue bird. Is it blue bird? It's mm. the blue bird mic. I think they have blue bird and then they got baby bottle. And they have the one before the blue bird. Which is, is that a spark. USB or does it, it plug into a sound card? Uh, USB. It plugs right into my interface, and then I plug my interface into my laptop. Yeah, serious still. And you just got the sound guard, and it's all proper. That's it. <laughs> That's how I make all my music, man. It's just three components. Interface, laptop, and my mic. My triangle offense. Love that. <laughs> And then the fourth component of you putting the time in. That's it. Making sure the baby's not crying. Make sure the baby's taken care of. Making sure he's sleeping. <laughs> that's, that's it, man. Do you do music videos? I'm not going to lie. I forgot to like actually check for that part. I was too busy listening to the music. I can't find a videographer out here in San Antonio for the life of me, man. For real? I searched Craigslist, and I, I'm just not putting the right keywords in. Yo, I, got on Instagram. I, 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 I got a homeboy. I got a homeboy. I haven't searched Instagram yet. Yo, that's how the kids do it. They they type by like, yo, I started trying it. So I started looking for Montreal beat makers and you type in Montreal beat maker, Montreal producer. And when you type that into the search as a single word, the hashtag will show up. So you go like San Antonio videos or whatever. But the other way to do it is to look for rappers on Instagram posting their video snippets and the videographers guarantee you they're getting linked or hashtagged or something and you'll be able to like figure out what the local people use as hashtags and from that you can work back to the accounts of the uh videographers yo i have underutilized instagram like my whole career and this is just some new shit for like the last couple of months when i started talking to young people about how they do things and yeah. i realized facebook's kind of trash um for finding things facebook is great for all the reasons i love facebook but instagram is litty and now they got those like 32 person group chats that they have going on with the kids where they share content and they're like these little privatized social networks. Like I found out in the West Island of Montreal, there's like a bunch of young English kids that just work together in Instagram groups. And I'm like, what? Wow, that's, that's dope. Cool. You know, yeah. like yeah. it's like you don't even know that it's happening just because we're all on the Facebook group shit. Yeah, right, right, right. I didn't even realize that. Thanks for putting me up on that, man. I'm going to have to write that You're down. You're dropping all kinds of knowledge over here. <clears throat> Exhaust that knowledge, man. Hell yeah. I'd be down to make a music video, man. My niece just made a music video. It's pretty damn dope. Her name is Unspoken Views. And uh, she's she's from California. She was literally like the dopest rapper. She won this uh, rap contest. Like She's documented as the dopest rapper out there. Um, but she's solid, man. My niece, you know, my sister's daughter. Um, unspoken views i wish i was still in cali man i definitely have a video of something right now man. But, yeah. 
I have That's like YouTube. cool Yo, lyric video. I'm not even going to lie to you, my guy. Let me tell you how I made music videos. This guy, my little galaxy, we went like that. And we just started shooting. What? And um, I swear to fucking God, all of my music videos for the last like two years have been shot on my phone. Because they're 1080, 4K. I said to myself, well, editing is a different story. I don't like, I did do the video editing for a bit and I'm a bad video editor. I had to learn what B shots were. So if you're shooting at home, shoot B shot shit, which is just, there's the parts where you're doing your rapping bullshit, but shoot a bunch of shit where you're not rapping. That's important okay. too. Okay. And then you blend it. So like two thirds of your, yo, what's up little boy? Um, two thirds of your video might be you rapping, but then you have that third where you're cutting it every whatever of you not rapping, just like a shot of a stop sign, uh, blah, blah, whatever, just bullshit that makes it feel more cinematic. Then you think of like more storyboards and lines and shit, but really you just storyboard your video in your head, what you want to do with it. Then you film all the bullshit and then you cop a video editor, not Adobe. There's better alternatives. And then you fucking make a bootleg video and then throw a color filter at the end so it looks like somebody better than you did it. And then it's the same fucking process as all the other processes you've done. Yeah. YouTube tutorial, yeah. this, learn how to do this bullshit. Like all of it, like even live streaming, it's the same bullshit. If you ever want to get into that live streaming game, just holla, I'll fucking save you some time on that one. But like, it's the same bullshit, right? Like yeah. all of these things are just like fucking tool. Thanks for the free game on video. Yo, honestly, I just, I did it bad for a while. It was just me rapping the whole time. And then man's hit me up and he's like, look, I love your growth, but your shit looks amateur because there's no B shots, you know, shit to enter. I don't know what he meant. And then I watched his next video and I saw this cut to a stop sign. And I'm like, oh, every professional music video. And then you start watching for it in people's music videos and you realize nobody's music video past like 94 is a guy rapping at the camera the whole time. Like there's more to the music videos. And then you start thinking of like niches and shit. So I went and found all the mural art in my neighborhood and that was my B shots for one of them. So it's me rapping in like five locations or and get like four or five. Well, the more you get, the better it'll be. Yeah. End yeah. of the day, but it's fucking painful and awful to do. Like this is not, you might love it. I did not love it. I didn't, I do not like, like shooting a music video days are like, oh boy, six, seven hours of boring. Cause it's like, you're doing the same verse and it's fun, but it's also weird as fuck. Like mm -hmm. it's the weirdest shit ever. But then, yo, you, you just do it. And honestly, in this era, I don't think the difference of really running it through a videographer at this time, if you can't find one is worth it. You can just yeah. honestly we'll figure it out. Cop a gimbal. That's the other thing that they got. I got made fun of. Yeah, because your hands are gonna be too shaky, and yo, you can see it all over one of my videos. It's just shaky ass fucking camera hand. But then we got the thing, and it's like, beep, 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 and you're like, the fuck is this shit? And yeah, my yo, buddy, one of those. Uh, he made a video of his son skateboarding, and I was like, damn, that video looks smooth. He sent me a screenshot. I bought this. It was like thirty-four bucks or something like that. I was like, damn, dog. Yeah, and then you plug it on the phone and then you start making the DIY videos to go with everything else you're doing on right. way less effort than you think. Okay. Good Still looking effort. out, dude. I'll I mean, definitely have I'm just into that shit. I'm into that like 
utilize the tools around you to like succeed right i mean everything yeah. i'm doing here is really the result of that i have two webcams <laughs> they're nothing special there's no fancy equipment up in here regular ass colored lights that's how i solved my ugly ass room problem we dimmed the lights because i saw the kids had colored lights and shit um and then i bought a lot of superfluous gear but it's like i use packing blankets to deal with the fucking sound and like you know there's just different shits you can take along the way yeah and dodge a lot of this shit like i'm super into like not wasting your money pursuing perfection i feel you i feel you somebody told me man you want to rap it's not going to be free yo it's going to cost a gang of money and just left it at that so in every one of my songs when i'm talking about a hater and stuff like that and people not sharing game and stuff like that it's that person <laughs> for me it's like i do find there's a lot of gatekeepiness on some old way of doing thing things where a lot of people pay dues that i don't have to pay but yeah. like it's honestly like a testament to the dues they paid that i don't have to pay those dues but they also want me to pay those dues not everyone but there are people who do so they're salty that like you you're able to build off of that foundation and do a whole lot of things differently and yo mm -hmm. bro i'm breaking all the rules as far as i'm concerned i don't give a fuck about these rules i've just been doing whatever the fuck i think the the less i worry about perfection and the more i worry about community the yep. better my life has become and yep. i imagine with are you signed to bring the bars? I know that they went a little bit label with it. Are you um, no, label? no. I'm on uh, Mally Music and Jumping Joe. Okay, you have your own label? Yeah, that's our label. So you're signed to yourself? Yeah, Mally Music and Jumping Joe. That's like our label. Like we be putting Shout out. out Mally Music and Jumping Joe. Yeah, Mally Music and Jumping Joe the Rapper. That's the name of the label, man. It's just self-titled, man. We already put out one EP. It tied for best EP of the year with Kronos' EP, which was fire. And then uh, we put out a bunch of singles, and now we're working on our second. Uh, uh, we're working on our second project. I've, I've been working on that shit all day, man. <laughs> mm, I love the passion. Sneezing, hella sick. So how many? Me. How many projects did you plan to drop this year? Uh, there's one more called Jumping. Uh, jumping 101 and uh that's just pretty much going to be just about me you know the first track is going to be new orleans the second track is going to be cali the third track is going to be college the fourth track is going to be on my own and the fifth track is going to be dad life so it's going to be five songs where you basically you know get to sum up <clears throat> you know a lot about me in the, in in that project but this year, man, I'm dropping every first and fifteenth like a welfare check, man. It's no called shit. A, it's called the, the welfare series. The welfare series. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to ask about that too. Uh, we got two questions from Ismail. One is, do you plan to sign more artists? Um, to Mally Music and Jumping Joe, man. I don't know. We have to talk about that. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure we'll end up doing it, man, because everything is going smooth, man. The chemistry is ridiculous, and our distributors hella fast and uh we're just growing you know as it as it as it, as it goes so that's probably something that works man so the follow-up question is how is the process of actually creating a label um man it was just they me and Mally had that synergy so it's like look <coughs> this is what it's gonna be Mally music and jumping joe the rapper because we was coming out with so much content man it was like 
that might as well be the label, man, because it's like, I'd be featuring over here, featuring over there. But when I feature with Mali, it's like he's from Northern California and I'm from uh, Southern California by way of New Orleans. But I was raised in Southern Cali and he was raised, born and raised in uh, Northern California. So when we on the track, it's that energy, man, that uh, people are really vibing with. So we just decided, hey, hey. So I guess, you know, making a label, you just have to basically just pay for a certain uh, certain plan, man, with your distributor so that you can have that. So it's really like find the people, build the label, go. Find the people, build the label, go, man. Yeah, that's crazy cool, man. I love that um, energy. I have another question that I keep forgetting to ask you, but I didn't want to forget because what the fuck is a microsync? Oh, man, a microsync is every time somebody uses your song in their story. Or every time somebody uses their song in a Facebook post, or every time somebody TikToks your song, stuff like that. Man, I got like over 27 million microsyncs, man. How? How do you get microsyncs? I don't know. I really don't know. And and I don't like being unprepared, and I don't like not knowing shit. But one thing I did was just have to let go and let God, man. I think I've spoken into existence on the interview with Otis Isaacs on the, my bring the bars, this is what happened. I was like, yeah, man, straight A's just surpassed about 13,000 streams. Um, and it won't be long until I'm talking in millions of streams. And I proclaim that in the name of Jesus. Like I have that documented mm -hmm. carbon copy on the song straight A's or on one of my songs at the very end of it, I took that clip because three or four days later, when I checked my uh, distributor, my root note thing, I looked at it and uh, on the 15th and um, it said uh, 6 million streams. And then it was Facebook, 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 Instagram, 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 uh, uh, audio library, like all of the, like every time, I don't know, I have no idea. And the songs that really took off for me were on my own. That's one song. Uh, I got a song called Free Game. A lot of people use that. So and then, in a sense, by releasing frequently, like just really pushing this frequent releases, you just increase the likelihood that one of these shits is going to pick up on TikTok or Facebook or something. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, they say if you throw shit to a wall and see if it stick, right? But if you throw you, some quality-ass music to a wall... I have man, another question, right? Um, when you Do you choose the part of the song or do you let it choose the part of the song? I just, I let, uh, I let it, they can choose the part of the song. Nifty. <clears throat> yeah. They, like so cool. Like I've had like a <laughs> whole total of 40 TikTok micro syncs. So it's not like my shit's all like popped off like that, but I thought about it too. I'm like, yo, what if I start like actually trying to write some songs that might like actually appeal to TikTok? Or appeal well, to this format which is this was just myself think because i saw meg the stallion a lot of her success is because yo her shit works on tiktok you might not know it but when you're on tiktok watching meg the stallion shit and the way people love dancing to her shit you're like oh that's why she's doing so fucking well really people mm -hmm. just vibe with the overall energy she brings hell yeah man and i mean when you're when you're posting your music on facebook if it gets a lot of views and it's more than 30 seconds, like that counts as a, you know, that's crazy, man. 
like that that's a trick too especially when you're in in your reels if you post a reel with the with the music clip of one of your songs hashtag explore page on it well you might already know that but if you put explore page that's what gets you in the thousands man of people looking at that shit. so what you're saying is because i actually don't know fuck, i have i've neglected to use reels i should be making reels of my own music yes definitely you should be making reels of your own music holden hell yeah you should have been doing that yesterday holden come on man hey and when you do when you do it when you do it put hashtag explore page and do it around like whatever the peak is you know like if it's a friday at 9 or 10 p.m it's most tra- do it around that time just one post man and it'll be like 1100 or 1500 all of these things bounce back towards your stats in the back end yeah yeah they do is it pay good no no micro syncs are like fractions of pennies man but uh, you know, it's a consistent check every 15th, you know, where I'm taking care of shit. You know what I mean? No, I mean, like, I sub- if you're able to pull off millions doing their strategy or millions of micro sinks, even a fraction of a penny is pretty fucking solid. Yeah. So it's like, I'm cool, man. Like, just do what I do, man. And it's enabled me to not, you know, understand there's a difference between complacency and, uh, you know, wants and needs or whatever. But, like, I don't want or need for anything in my life right now me and my family man and but i'm definitely not complacent you know i'm open to the lord's blessings it's just a matter of like i said expanding my mind to figure out where i want to go and what we want to do and uh what we would like to to harvest you know so uh, right now i'm just real busy making music dropping music frequently every first and 15th but when i actually sit down to figure out my next stage of life i plan on going at it as hard as i do with this music shit and uh, they might be in like cryptocurrency or investing and shit like that. So, but I don't know. That's that's something that I haven't opened the door to yet because I have a tendency to get obsessed with whatever it is that I'm trying to do. So I'm just, just kicking it, taking it day by day. I'm, I feel that. I'm a little afraid of crypto. I actually um, have somebody who's in it. That I look at it like, like blueprint, you know. I don't know. I feel like if I make money on crypto, it's not like I made money doing anything except for picking the right gambling thing in this time is what it feels like. You can all gambling has a predictive element where you can study ahead of time. So it's not like that makes it special for crypto if you study ahead of time. But say I put in like a thousand dollars and I make a hundo. Bro, that's going to fuck with me to a point where, like, I don't think I'll ever be the same human again. Like, I'll never try like I try. Like, my hustle comes from this. Everything I got is based on the fact that if I put in this effort, I can stack this amount. I can correlate a level of effort of output in my world towards, like, the results. Even though, that yes, there's still luck and blah, 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 blah. It's not the same as, like, the gambling wins. So it's like it freaks me out a bit that like that could happen to me huge like that. It's a beautiful thing. I look at it, man. You know, there's a silver lining and everything. My goal is to make my money make money. And with those micro sinks from my first distributor, which was Root Note, if you guys want to go through them, you know, that's what I was using when those tracks got picked up. Guaranteed, you know, uh, income every month. So I just use that money 
uh, to invest in cryptocurrency, man, you know, because it's not like, mm. you know, money I'm losing. You still have that, like, initial, I got this off of my effort money that flipped it into the crypto. So there's, like, a step there. Right. You've got residuals that you're using your residuals to flip into more residuals. Exactly. So I feel like when I have that situation set up, I would feel mad differently about crypto. But until I get that unlocked, I don't feel comfortable playing that game. Yeah. As a human. I know what you mean. I know I, I agree 100%. And I'll be rapping about stuff like that, man. And like, you know, a lot of, a lot of stuff I rap about, man, is my daily life and hopefully, you know, gems that people could pick up. And, uh, I, I thought your music has a good message like it really is strong i enjoyed the content of it i also like the fact that you're not afraid to approach more sensitive topics right right or drop language like pimping right i feel you man hey i learned that from all the hustlers gangsters and the pimps it's all about not the talent but who got the strength you know <laughs> stuff like that man like it's crazy, man. <clears throat> nah, it's dope. So, I guess uh, with the whole world opening up again, would you look into the live scene? Um, man, you tell me. Do you have to be in good shape, cardio wise? I'd have to work out for that, man. I don't know. I I nah, do I've it. Been fat as fuck, my guy. I've been like fat as fuck. You don't have you. Okay, like. If you want your show to be like super fucking lit, yeah. But to get <laughs> through a song and just like yeah. spit it with like a walk, because you right. need a prof- you need a dad walk, you a, know little that, like a, a little on beat dad walk. Yeah, yeah. And if you do that and walk across the stage, you really yeah. don't need like insane cardio for it. Okay. You just need to learn where to breathe in your songs. That's the okay. most important part. If you know where you're gonna breathe, yeah. every part of the the verse then yeah. you'll be able to pace it. You just also want to practice it ahead of time. Like I will like legit pick up my broken mic to have the weight. Cause yo, holding up an arm with a mic is not the same thing as just holding up an arm like that. So grab an actual like mic if you can. And right. then like practice the shit just so you get the feel of it. Do it like yeah. 10 minutes a day. Every well, I, I like to practice my set like one time a day for right. like a week before I go to it and then I'll do it like each track three times like before like the, the real practice and okay. then you just get used to it and it's I like everything fun, else mm-hmm. but once you like memorize your shit bro like you could be like faded and you're like blah, 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 and you're like on beat and everything you might not be the best performance but like once you know your shit you know yeah. it like you know okay. your poetry and then it's okay. just like a performance that you deliver over and over and over again. that you want to do you know what i mean i love it man i love it i hear you and then you think about ways to like improve the choreographing and all of it like so yeah being in better shape makes for i think a lot more options when Mm -hmm. you're performing but it's certainly not a requirement okay okay yeah i'm down man that'll be cool if i you know if i when it when everything opens back up to somebody uh Ask me to perform, man. The first song I'm going to is Chances. Cause that song is easy as hell to perform. <laughs> I wouldn't worry about it. You're gonna crush it a hundred percent. Um Thanks. yo, do y'all have any other questions for Jumpin' Joe the rapper? In there? Cause yo, I think it's been a pleasure talking to you. I'm the kind of man. person that goes when it's in the right place, you know, run the vibe of it. 
you you know Saturday night you got the families I've noticed the parent ones you know you should yeah. uh, I understand the consequences of running too long is all I'm saying um, hey don't get me in a doghouse I'm blaming you holding I'm gonna say hey, it's Hogan's fault it is my <laughs> fault I was like no nah, I'm gonna stretch this as long as we can get this <laughs> no but like um, nah. It's but no, cool. I appreciated having you here. I think you're such an insightful person. Um, I think the way that you innovated is useful. Not like the average. And I don't mean that like, like I say that to everybody. I try to find unique shit to say to everybody. But like, nah, that is like, you provided practical things that people can bring into their real lives that other people aren't doing like QR codes and, and other people are doing them, but people aren't doing them enough and they're super accessible and they're just different things we can do. Like even for this like podcast, number of times, like I'm out in the street and motherfuckers are all like, how do I follow you? I'm like, you know what? Honestly, I should probably get a fucking QR code, <laughs> you know, like set up some shit like that and like make my life a little bit simpler so that we can't, and then it is more modern and it's fucking fly. So with that, it's like mad helpful, dude. A lot of people can benefit from that. Throw it on your wallet, throw it on your phone. Bang, bang. What kind of phone you got? Android? Oh, open your camera mm. real quick, man. Just look at this. All right, click that. That's all me, man. You have a good day, bro. I'm going to holler at you. You know, it's, it's an experience that they get. And they're just like, wow, I own this piece of technology that can do that. And now that experience is connected with you as an artist. So that's you guys' relationship that you have right there. That's a beautiful thing, man. Win-win. Um, we, we got a question from Ismail. Are you interested in streaming on Twitch? Um, streaming on Twitch, uh, probably, yeah, in the future. I was thinking about doing that in the future. Uh, it's just right now, man, I'm barely able to squeeze out music whenever I do it, man. But I, I really do be supporting here on Twitch, though. I'm looking forward to more stuff from Holden, more stuff from Bully Scandals, and uh, Academics. I'll be watching him every now and then, too. <laughs> nah, but if you ever want to get into the live music writing game, they're about to ban cover songs. So there's, well, ban. They're, they're going to make cover songs more complicated, so it's the right time to start writing music live on Twitch. Oh, like, like when you're... Like, like doing everything you would session? do off camera? Yeah. But you just stream it. Like your whole songwriting session? Yeah. You just turn on a, the, the stream button, and then you just do everything else you would have done. Man, that'd be dope. Yeah, that's yeah. probably something that I'd like to do. So the answer is yes, it's male, man. I'm interested in doing that, man. Yeah, it's a lot simpler than you'd think. And I believe that a few years from now, it's going to be like, what? You don't write your songs online? Right, right. Hey, I'm trying to, you know, get behind that bus or get, I don't want to get hit by it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but cool. So we're going to keep our eyes out for all of your new music. Um, but you do, you, do you have any, like, final words for the people out there, I guess? Um, yeah, man, you know what, uh, you know, just believe in God first and then yourself, you know, whatever you believe in, believe in that and then believe in yourself as well. Don't leave yourself out, man. You were put here to do great things. And, uh, I know you get caught up in, uh, accomplishing things. Um, but just don't forget, you know, the little steps that it took to get to where you're at right now so that you can show other people how to get to where they want to be. Um, your education is not yours to keep. And uh, I have a song coming out on the 15th. Oh, it's called Okie Doke, produced by me and AWOL. So look out for that.
and thanks a lot for having me yeah it was great to have you thank you for all the people that watched live thank you for everybody that supports this it's super fucking awesome uh shout out to the bring the bars people too because without them i probably wouldn't be talking to you so shout out king canada um yeah for those of you watching in the future shout you out as well you still count all the people on all the other platforms follow like subscribe all that good stuff though and uh special thanks to the patrons is milk and amc chris powder jonathan brown cj black kirk and Lennon williams and scribble dub support what we do and um yeah if you support what we do patreon.com slash behind that suit would be real fun on that note we're gonna start the raid we're gonna raid mr mers and uh yeah from that we shall go on our separate ways live long and prosper everyone Thank you.